0: If um, I remember well on the story, um, a few years back I was doing a, a workshop at the Barry Center for Buddhist Studies, and uh, Moo Song, one of the teachers that is there, was uh, uh, telling a story of um, when he was, uh, and again, that's if I remember well. Uh, He was saying that at some point he was a teacher in Toronto, up there in Canada, you know, you heard about that place. Uh, And uh, at the center where he was teaching, a a woman came and uh, talked with him and she was saying that uh, there was a law uh, that was going to be very detrimental for the environment that was going to be passed in the country. And that she felt very strongly about this and she didn't know what to do to actually uh, stop um, uh, this from happening and that she was, uh, it was um, eating her. What's the expression? Eat, eating her? Yeah. And, uh, and in the conversation, he had suggested that she could... Uh, something like, uh, in, a, in a kind of a Zen way, I guess, he had said, but why not... Uh, you know, die for this. Why not go on a hunger strike for this, you know? And if you feel strongly about this, that could be a good use of uh, life, you know? And uh, and uh, if I do remember well, she she took him up on the offer and went to Ottawa to do a hunger strike and the law didn't pass. And then she came back and told him. And... Uh, And I remember hearing this and being uh, very touched by this. And maybe a couple of years before, uh, you'll see it's on a very different scale. A couple of years before, I was uh, at the Insight Meditation Society as a working guest, and it was the long retreat there happening and there was one woman who had, um, we thought at that moment, and it turned out it was not, but we thought that it might be the first, uh, first signs of uh, MS. So there was something with her sight that was um, uh, blurry. She couldn't see anymore. She really wanted to go through this um, ordeal or this phase of her life, this event, uh, while being on retreat. So the teacher had asked, I how would you be willing as you're doing nothing just <laughs> hanging out here <laughs> I mean I was helping in the kitchen probably and doing things like this as a as a guest as a working guest they said would you be willing to help her you know go to the hall come back to the hall just move about help her get her a meal and stuff and I said yes I you know I'll do that and so for a few days the, it lasted for a few, maybe a week I can't remember I have very bad memory you know But uh, I was just uh, you know going before the sit you know and waiting at the door and then she would come out and I would just help her to the hall Sometimes I would just come and help her reach the bathroom door and then wait there and I remember one time just going uh, outside she wanted to sit outside so we walked out, found a bench, and we sat next to each other in silence, you know, and, and, and I was very happy doing this. I remember many times thinking, what a good use of body and mind, you know, like, to actually be available for somebody who's uh, practicing and don't have, uh, you know, the the capacities that uh, to actually, you know, need help to do that. And, you know, I remember just Maybe she was in the bathroom taking her shower, and I was just in the hall, the, uh, li- uh, again my back against the wall, waiting, and and just feeling there was something really good about this. That that's the way I was thinking about it. This is a good use of body and mind, you know. It's available. It's uh, so it's just another story like this. And these days. The way that I feel very strongly is um, to walk this path, to see how this teaching can be embodied, become alive in a human being. And I think of this one, you know. It's such a good use of a lifetime. What an amazing use of a lifetime of resources to actually take the very elements that create suffering and confusion and clinging and all this take this uh, these very elements of seeing hearing uh thinking observing uh feeling perceiving taking all these elements that cause so much havoc in our life and confusion and fear and this to actually slow down recognize these elements and start using them in a wholesome way to free the mind I I get a kick out of that idea Mm -hmm. that Wow the elements that create trouble I'm invited, I have the opportunity to take these same elements and turn them into blooming flowers, or, you know, I don't know how to say this, but to create freedom, embody it, to keep these, and in a way that I see it, is also to keep these teachings alive, so they're not just in books, but lived by beings, and then can be passed on, whatever, you know, depth of compassion, wisdom that can be attained in this form here, with this mind and body, to actually uh, do that and make this available um, in a very humble way. (laughs) I know it can be a very long road. And sometimes I like, that's one way where I like to think of several lifetimes, rebirth or re-whatever it is, you know, it's like, okay, that might be a very long road. I don't care, you know. These days there's um, a lot of confidence for me in the practice. And uh, I, find it, uh, I find it's a beautiful adventure to get on. Yeah. So just as a little intro about what we're doing here. The first time I, um, I came to Spirit Rock a few years back, I was very excited. I'm actually always excited to come here. It's a beautiful land. It's an amazing place. I have good friends. Uh, but the first time I was coming here, it was kind of coming to a place that I've he- I had heard about. It. Well, I could say s- s- semi mythical place. <laughs> You know the and so um, I arrived and, uh, and I registered in line and I got my room and I had the room that was on the second floor and uh, looking on the side of the creek there. So I just looked and I was amazed by the beauty of the of the land and, and so I looked at my window that was going to be my window for a couple of months I think. And uh, I looked, and I saw just there on the grass a kangaroo. <laughs> and I was in shock. I thought, like you know, didn't register. <laughs> Nobody had told me that. I thought kangaroo is in Australia. <laughs> and so I kind of looked again, and it turned out that this right under my window there was a. Pooping deer. <laughs> <laughs> and it, oh. <laughs> I was kind of reassured in my knowledge of the world, you know, it's <laughs> my, my view of the world. <laughs> and so, there was a moment there where my perception uh, had been kind of fooled. You know, there's something that I was seeing, uh, that, that was not right perception. It was not clear perception. It was a little uh, uh, something had been mistaken for something else, you know. <laughs> and um, so tonight, in a way, I'd like to talk about uh, more about misperception. I don't know if it's the right way to talk about this, about a perception, something that appears in a certain way, but then on closer look suddenly it's revealed to be something else altogether, or slightly <laughs> different thing. And, um, and on, on this part of the retreat, the second part of the two-month retreat, uh, this idea of self and identity and uh, this questioning around this has been, uh, has, has been the theme that we've uh, seen woven in the different talks that come by. And uh, that's what um, a lot of what uh, Buddhist practice does, is question this assumption of self and what is it really made of and what is it exactly and is it, is it a good way to look at life? Is it the right perception to, uh, when we feel very strongly a separate self that needs to be defended or promoted? And uh, so tonight I'd like to um, talk about uh, something that uh, Jack talked to us about and uh, John also talked to us about, about the five rivers of being. And uh, this teaching that is uh, known in the text as the five aggregates, that uh, um, we like to refer as the five rivers of being because of their dynamic nature, maybe, is the subject that I'd like to talk about uh, tonight. I'd like to make it applicable. I'd I'd like to go over it because, and I'm very excited, actually, about this, because this has been very much at the center of my practice for a number of years. To me, this was one of the key uh, to open... uh, or one of the doorways, maybe, to uh, some wisdom. And uh, it's something that I, I, I enjoy working with. So I'd like to look at this. Uh, uh, it's one of the maybe n- numerous devices to uh, help um, loosen the grip of uh, selfing, the identification that is known in Buddhism to be at the heart of the problem. So not something benign, not just like a little something. At the source, at the center of the trouble would be this appropriation that we do or this identification uh, with something that is truly happening but that we mistakenly take to be me, mine, I. You know... Um, So I would like to look at this with you. Hmm. This is from uh, the island from uh, Ajahn Amaro and Ajahn Passano. Trying to find a me without a world that burdens it It's like trying to run away from your own shadow. No matter how fast you run, the effort is bound to fail as the one form, me, generates the other, the world that burdens it. So the five aggregates, or the five rivers of being, would be a description, a, a way to divide our reality, to divide the, ex- the human experience. So as we're sitting here right now, and at any moment of the day, there's always these five rivers that makes our experience what it is. And I'll try to define these five things so we can recognize as we're sitting here listening to the talk maybe to see um, what, is, uh, what is happening and how clinging happen our craving happens, our identification, our appropriation happens. So the five rivers, I'll name them and then go over them again, maybe. It's the river of form. Form, yeah? So it's made of the sensations that we're feeling now. Vibration at your ear door, yeah? And then there's the river of feeling tone. Always part of the experience. The feeling tone of pleasantness or unpleasantness or neutrality that accompany any of the uh, phenomena that you encounter in your experience. And another one is the river of uh, perception, the organizing of the world. So right now, there's vibration at your ear door. It's either pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, this vibration at your ear door. But not only is it vibrating and pleasant, unpleasant and neutral, but it's also organized. You don't only hear, you know, you hear words like rivers, you know, (laughs) you have an image that comes, there's an understanding that is happening, a recognition of what's happening. And there's another river, which is the river that we call the mental formation. So, for example, right now, there might be the intention to listen, to hear, to understand that is going on, you know, uh, in most of us, probably, for me, there's the intention. For <laughs> me, there's the intention to be heard, to speak. You know, that is active right now. <laughs> With a little gap. And then the last uh, river is the river of consciousness. That we want it or not, there's a knowing quality. There's a just uh, uh, the capacity to uh, the. Mm. I always have trouble talking about it—the consciousness that is there, this river of—I uh, almost want to say intelligence. This, this, what can actually know experience. Yeah. Okay. So these are the five rivers that I'll be talking about uh, now. So the first river of of, of uh, form. Uh, is, um, is uh, in the text, it says, uh, this is, uh, if you want to know exactly what it is, this is what is um, um, touched by cold and heat, by mosquitoes and snakes, uh, and by thirst and hunger. So, this is this, uh, this form, often described as the four elements wet, uh, the hardness, softness, the Pulsation, vibration, everything that is the materiality, yeah, this is the form, so it 's always there in our experience, as we 're sitting here now, you sense uh, not only the vibration at the air door, which is physical, you know there's something happening there, but you also feel your butt on the chair you know or on the cushion there's a hardness there. this is part of the experience, yeah in the text you read sometimes it says the worldling, the uninstructed being. This is us maybe a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So the uninstructed being uh, knows the, the earth or maybe the hardness, encounters the hardness or the softness or the roughness. Yeah? But it makes a little, or she makes a little mistake. They make a little mistake. They take it as me or mine. They don't leave it alone as just hardness. They make this slight mistake. This is me. This is mine. By the way, there's four ways to get a little mistaken around this. It's either you think this is you, form is me, or it's mine. Check in your experience right now as you're sitting here, if there's the sitting, the posture that you're in, that you feel. Is this you? yours or are you in it or is it in you are you do you have a vast sense of self in which there is a body sitting there yeah supposed to be the four ways that we would get mistaken so it's interesting to bring just awareness to this or is that is there no identification or no appropriation is there? no There's just hardness or movement at the belly. Is this your breath? Are you in it? You know? Just, you can become aware of this or not. It says that when... um, one of these rivers, uh, they change all the time, but uh, because they're unstable, changing, if we get attached to it, when it changes, uh, it induces fear. Or even before it changes, maybe the fear of losing something. Um, and I have a little story maybe for, around that for me, uh, for you, about me. <laughs> um, I told you in the, in the other talk the other day uh, about... Uh, the, uh, the HIV that I live with. So this is a little story about attachment to form. As, uh, over the years, taking a lot of drugs, there, there's been this side effect that is called the lipodystrophy, where the fat on the body gets uh, either leaves the body or gets reorganized somewhere else, like around the belly. Sometimes you see somebody with a... A big belly and very little fat, or just a lump of fat here that is displaced. In my case, after many years, there's starting to, to be holes. I mean, there was very little, you can see the veins maybe a bit. The body ch- was changing, and, uh, and the, there was holes uh, coming on the face, and deeper and deeper. And that was a really good work for me to actually uh, see attachment to form because I wanted my, not hardness, but bumpiness of the cheek back, (laughs) you know? And there was distress around this. This was, oh, this is not me, I don't recognize me. I was attached to a certain form of Pascal. And uh, not only was I attached, but others too. And so when they would see me very regularly, people would, on a daily basis, multi-daily basis maybe, people would say, are you okay? You know, you, you're lost so much weight. Are you okay? And, and uh, even I would sit retreat and get really quiet and sometimes extremely uh, relatively peaceful and happy. And I would be calm and my life would be good. Then I would meet somebody that I haven't seen for a while. And I, tend, I tended to go from the West Coast to the East Coast to practice, you know, spirit rock, mother. IMS father, <laughs> 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 kind of that dance a lot. And I would come here after a few months and people would say, hey, hi, it's good to see you. Are you, are you okay? You've lost so much weight, you know? And so there was a kind of a burden around this, you know? And uh, and one day I went to see my doctor and she said, Pascal, you're aware that you have uh, lipodystrophy? I was like, yeah. She said, you know, you have one side that is, more sunken than the other side, you know. We need to do something about this. You happen to live in Canada, a very compassionate country, or used to be, and, uh, and uh, we can actually fill the gap freely here. You know, you don't even have to pay. And, uh, and she said, uh, the way to do it is actually to just to see a psychiatrist and tell them how you feel about this. And then, to avoid depression, cause, and I thought, wow, that's interesting, even the Canadian government knows that we get attached to form. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that, that can induce despair and can induce uh, all kinds of, uh, of things, you know? Uh, lamentation and, and distress, you know? And uh, so she said, uh, I, I think you should do this, you know? And I had my reservation as a Buddhist, you know like you're supposed to be with this this is an amazing opportunity and all this and i i was with that for a long time you know and then i decided to actually do this and it was really uh i actually didn't know to what extent i was uh identified and suffering from this until the job was done where they put this thing in that makes uh the collagen, natural collagen, come back and that stays for a number of years and after it's probably going to go down a bit. But um, anyway, all the, the stuff around this and then uh, they, the doctor put this stuff in and I went back home and suddenly there was bumps there and I was like, this is my face. This is my face. You know, I'm 30-something years old and I felt so so much older you know like I didn't feel and and I it's deluded but it made me see the depth of the attachment to form just in this way you know of course we can be attached to a, a physicality in the sense of health you know and the health goes, or the insecurity about health you know can create a lot of uh, distress i 'm telling this story, you have yours, you know I'm just sharing this one because I know that one pretty well from the inside, you know, and at the same time, I have to also say this is um in a way that's kind of an apart thing, but in a way i I don't take it so personal also i don't think it's so much my story, I think it's our story, you know this is the story of one of our stories, you know, that happens to us as a community, as a society. This is one of our stories. So that's a, a way that I perceive this to be. So attachment uh, to a form. And so with any experience, at any moment, be it heard. Uh, tasted, seen, um, mentally touched by a, you know, a thought or an image, uh, sensation. With any of these uh, um, experience, comes another river that is flowing through. It's the river of vedana, or feeling tone. Yeah. This is kind of uh, we could say the juice of experience there's a contact between uh, a sight and the eyes comes a contact you know you see kangaroo or deer you know there's a contact there in this contact it says that what comes out of this contact is the juice of feeling tone i like or rather just the step before pleasant pleasant unpleasant or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. What I like about this five-fold division of experience is that every I love the Buddha for this. Thanks to you, guys. Uh, I, I think it's a very good division because every one of the chapters, if I could call it like this, is actually very rich in terms of uh, suffering and the end of suffering and the Buddha said the only reason why I talk about this and apparently was talking about this a lot there's more than 300 discourses where he mentions the aggregate mentions the aggregate yeah so it's it's worth paying attention for this you know so he said let me divide your experience in five ways that will be useful very very a lot of potential in terms of finding freedom I could divide it in six, I could divide it in two, I could divide it in many ways. I'll divide it in, f- in five just because that's going to be, r- it's five areas of clinging, of potential clinging. Yeah? And when these are met without mindfulness, experienced without mindfulness, they create suffering. You could see. When they're met with great attention, like we're doing here, they can be liberating. So the whole field or river of feeling tone, the Buddha said, wow, put your attention on this. Because in that stream, a lot is happening. There's a lot of richness for you there. So if you want, as you sit or walk or eat or jump in the bed or brush teeth, be be attentive to that level of experience, that aspect of experience, Pleasant, unpleasant, because of the standardized reaction that we have. Often, not always, but it's good to check it out. When something is pleasant, "Mm, I like, I want. And strategies start. How can I keep this going? You're sitting here in the hall, and there's some kind of peace that is settling in. It's quiet, you're one with the frogs. And suddenly, somebody starts writing or sneezing, and they just burst your bubble of fun, of pleasantness. And you can feel it. My concentration, my pleasant, my peace, it's probably a lot to do with the feeling tone. So it could be good to wake up to this and say, what's actually happening here? My feeling tone of pleasantness is, has been threatened. <laughs> and I won't let this happen. So are you the feeling tone? Or do you own it? Ah. Or are you in it? Or is it in you? The four ways. Again. And the Buddha in his wisdom says, the things with these five river, or five aspects of, uh, of experience, is that they they're, they change. They're changing, and often they change suddenly, like when your bubble of pleasantness is burst, you know, is busted or whatever <laughs> the word is there. You know, suddenly it's unexpected and it goes. You know, it's just gone. I was having really pleasant fantasies, and then the idea that I was a bad meditator crossed the mind. That's an unpleasant uh, thought. You know, so my fantasy is completely destroyed because now there's shame and shame is unpleasant to feel. You know? So just being aware of this, yeah, how it's unstable, all these aspects of experience. Form is unstable. The Buddha compared it to uh, foam. This is the great uh, analogy. I think it's amazing that 2,600 years ago, no access to microscope it could actually see that there was a foam-like nature to body experience. When we have access to all the information and we still think it's solid, until we slow down and become attentive and see the dynamic nature of hand right now. That there's the concept, the idea of hand, my hand was my hand last week, my hand this week. But when you pay attention, what is revealed? Foam-like nature. Pulsing, changing constantly, vedana. He compared the feeling tone. He compared to bubbles. said in the fall when it rains, uh, and there's um, little um, water puddles. It fall when the little uh, drop of rain falls. It creates little bubble. Have you ever seen this? And they burst immediately. This is feeling tone. See it for yourself. See it as it's happening, the feeling tone. As you're sitting here, you might have this. At some point, you're like, I ah, like Pascal so much. It's so fun. It's like, "Ah, oh, this talk is so boring. You know? And within a few seconds, it can be like, you're all like, I love Dharma talks. Okay, when is it over now? You know, suddenly, there's a different feeling tone in your experience. You know, it's just gone. It's, it's unreliable like this. Because the outside conditions might make your feeling tone change or the inside condition might. It's uh, very much unreliable. I have a little uh, story around this. Um, A few years back, I had the chance to... uh, It was the summer and uh, with my partner we decided to... um, Uh, we had access to a car and we decided to go spend the day in in the countryside, go to a place where there is uh, beautiful waterfalls. And uh, so we reached the place, it's very this like, I don't know if there's four or five waterfalls, really beautiful. And at that time of the year, just the right amount of uh, pressure so that you can actually go under the waterfall and hide under the rock and you have a sheet of of, um, uh, water Uh, in front of you it's really fun and then you can go in the other one and the other one you could actually be six and the other one if you count two is really uh, the maximum you can be in there and you can come in and out and it you can lose your balance anyway if if that appears to be pleasant to you you know (laughs) if the feeling told that comes is fun you know anyway so i was there it's beautiful very green beautiful sun uh it's really fun So at some point my partner is sitting on a rock and I take my cell phone to take picture of my partner because I think he's beautiful sitting there on the rock uh, in the sun. So I take a couple of pictures, maybe more, a few more. And on the other side of the river, there's a group of young men who are there. And something was revealed to them that they didn't agree with. It seemed like there were two men in love uh, taking one taking picture of the other one, and that was not okay. And, uh, and they started shouting things uh, at us. And, uh, and suddenly the feeling tone of my day completely changed. Before I could have been mistaken that the pleasantness was in the green, was in the sun, was in the waterfalls, the pleasantness was not in the things it's not in the things it's in the relationship somewhere in between <laughs> it's not it's in the mind maybe yeah but it's not in the thing because the, sh- the the pressure was the same the waterfall looked the same the sun was still out it didn't hide but it was not pleasant to be there at all anymore you know and there was a Sinking of the heart, and I remember my partner and I actually didn't. We pretended it was not happening for a few seconds. Didn't talk about it together. We just went right back to the difficult mind state of uh, that come often with uh, oppression. Uh, and I have to say, parenthesis, as a white man, I'm not so exposed to uh, uh, being oppressed. You know, it's not something that, uh, in a way, I'm very privilege in, my, uh, in this society. But now, because suddenly it was apparent that I was in the minority, then I was, uh, there was something else. And the shame came. And, and uh, then if, my, all my, if all that I put in life is into pleasantness, it's gone. It's not available anymore. But after a few minutes, I could recall something much deeper and of much more value. Uh, it was values, what was, uh, what was uh, beautiful, what had the right to be there, despite of uh, others' opinion. And the whole, it seemed like there was not just these guys there, but the whole of society was remem- reminding me that I had no right to be there, no right to enjoy my life. You know. Anyway, the teaching is about the feeling tone and how, unstable it is, how it can change. Yeah? There's probably something else than the feeling tone in there. But, uh. And also the, the belief that we can have that the feeling tone is in the object until our relationship to the object change, you know, like a kid gets a game uh, at uh, some kind of toy at Christmas. They really think that the pleasantness is in the toy, but after 20 minutes, it might the toy hasn't changed if it hasn't been destroyed, <laughs> you know. But maybe the, the relationship has changed, and so the pleasantness has gone. So very much unreliable. And so can we develop uh, a wise relationship with feeling tone, being okay with unpleasantness, being okay with neutral, neutral. I'll move on. There would be much to say about this. For me, I, we could spend a whole month just around feeling tone. I mean, each one of these rivers, really. Um, <coughs> now, another one uh, river that comes with experience all the time is perception. Yeah? There's always this recognition of what's happening. As you look around, if you move your eyes, there is the light the the luminosity, the colors. This is form, yeah? This is happening, you can't stop this, this is there. The eyes are healthy as they move around, they encounter form. There might be a feeling tone that is possible to discern or not, but there's also a recognition. This is really fun to watch, how this is a river on its own. As you look around, it recognizes chair, cushion, blue, white, trudy. You know, it does it on its own. It doesn't even maybe say it, but there's an organization of the world that happens. Yeah? This is one of the rivers of being. And so when you sit, uh, you can just be aware of this. There is a sound. The mind will naturally organize it. I remember one time sitting here, and um, I don't know which way it went, either one way or the other. There's two choices, but... I was sitting here oh yeah and so there was one human being making a strange sound it was very unpleasant and uh, really not welcome and there was all kinds of uh, mental formations around this that shouldn't be happening where they were doing the uh, uh, once in a while and suddenly the perception changed it was frogs or some insects <laughs> And so the feeling tone changes. Oh, <laughs> lovely. You know? So it's interesting to see, to just watch how perception is constantly happening. Yeah? The beauty of this practice is that when you're not mindful, the perceptions might very well go, um, go away, be less and less refined and more and more mistaken, we could say. If our attention is very superficial, as in life, you know, this and that, and I'm thinking of this, and I have to go there, we'll, we'll think that things are uh, solid, permanent. We'll tend to think that things are, might be satisfying. Yeah. If I get this, it's really going to be fun, and it's going to work, you know, and then I get it, and it doesn't quite do it, yeah? So the, the perceptions uh, tend to be, um, can be fall- faulty. I'll say it like this: faulty, when there's no attention, uh, like the perception of self, when there's no close look, it's really me that you hurt, and it's really me. Who, and then when we pay attention, suddenly there is the presence of uh, fear. It's not so clear that it's me or not me because it wasn't there before, and you know our thoughts comes, and uh, it's not so clear that they're mine or me. Or that on them, they just pass by a little bit like a a sound passes by. They're not so me, they happen to me, you know, or they do happen, you know. And anyway, this with attention, suddenly we say that uh, what happens here on this retreat is that our perceptions get more and more refined and liberating. We clarify our vision. You know, um, examples would be um, maybe something like I sit here and uh, I remember sitting here, not here, here, there, and the teacher was guiding the meditation and the teacher said, was uh, guiding us into uh, attention to the breath and saying and i was very attentive to the breath following the instruction and then the teacher said notice what's the how this breath is different from the one before and at that point my attention uh, was was uh, well placed i would say you know it just happened to be and when i would usually have said have seen like oh this breath is a little longer or a little shorter suddenly it appeared to me that the huge difference between the two, and it, I, my face became hot because the perception was changed. It was like, but the breath, the big difference between the two is the breath before doesn't exist. It's just an idea. This breath now is happening. The other one is, is I, cannot, I would be comparing an idea with a sensation. You know, like... It, So there was, for me, a little clarification there. And maybe later another one, when suddenly what I called the breath, the in-breath, suddenly didn't exist so much because when there was the beginning of the in-breath, the end is not there. This is two events, in a way, closely related, but I bring them together and form a concept. This is... This is the in-breath. But it's actually, the more the attention becomes refined, the more different things are happening as the belly rises. It's many different impressions that I get. And then I'm like, wow, this, what I call the breath is really like a conventional way to talk because when the mind is really settled and is seeing this, this is several events that are happening in the same way that when I say Pascal, it's me. When I was five, I was given a little Tonka truck. And I wanted the head that you actually, <laughs> that you can, uh, you know, the head where you can, uh, there's a little head you can put little rolls in it and, <laughs> and things. Anyway, so this, this me, and this me here, and this me was on retreat. This is this is a lot of different events that I gather together to make a me story, you know. But who, you know, refinement of perception, just another little example. I'm doing something in my room and I think suddenly there's the thought if my mom saw me do this, she would really comment. I'm sure she would say like, "Why do you?" And then I get angry at my mom, you know, so I'm in my room like oh, she's annoying. If my attention is a little bit more refined, as uh, I think Munindra G, a great teacher would say, or Joseph, thoughts about your mom are not your mom. <laughs> the refinement of perception would be thinking is happening. This is the reality. In our perceiving here, we refine our perception so we move away from the conventional understanding to a more real understanding that when I think about the future, there is no future. There is mind production of images. This is very liberating. That when I think about what happened in the past, there's a present occurrence of emotions and images. You know. So I clarify this. That when I think I'm a bad meditator, it's a perception. It appears right like this right now, and it's changing, because maybe 25 minutes before I was the best in the hall, you know? And suddenly I relax around perception, maybe, also. I don't take perception for truth, and I don't take it for self either. They're not me, but they happen to me, they're mine, you know? So check it out also, how this happens. So another river of being is the river of, um, I'll say, we call it mental formations, but I'll focus on one part of it, which is intentions. So when I'm having experience, there's the, um, uh, the actual maybe sensations, the form that is there, there is the feeling tone. The feeling tone is more related to the sense, to the, this side of reality almost, we could say. You know, how it affects this being, you know, the pleasantness, the unpleasantness. The perception is kind of focused on the object. You know, this is red, this is blue, this is woman, this is man, this is, I don't know, how, you know, the things like this. And, uh, and then the other. this other river is the river of any, what engaged what are the reaction or the responses that come that's the, the river of how suddenly I don't want this I want to get rid of this this is one of that's part of that river or I want to know this better I want to get closer to that experience so the way I respond or react to what is happening yeah so I walk suddenly there is a, a wall yeah and suddenly the intention to stop walking arises and to turn, you know? So there is something received, visual, and then something arises, a desire to do something, an intention to do something. So that whole chapter, a river there, that's a whole other area that the Buddha said, wow. I'm paraphrasing him here. (laughs) He said, check this out. There is so much richness in there. Because that's one of the hiding places of identification. Because I might say, okay, Pascal, I agree with you. There is form, there is sensation. It's not me, but it's clearly there. Not me, clearly there. There is feeling tone, not me, not mine. It's really passing by. Yeah, okay, okay. And then there's perception, it's true that it happens on its own. When it looks, it's, it, it's automatic that it's sealing, that it sees, you know, it's... It, perceived ceiling when it looks up there you know it's okay so that but I decide when I stand and when I sit you know and again the refining of perception if I pay close attention I'll see the typical event on a retreat you're sitting there suddenly either let's say cold wind comes you're sitting there cold wind comes And suddenly the intention to take your shawl kashmina pashmina (laughs) arises yeah and suddenly you're shocked because of your level of refinement of your attention you see that you didn't decide to take your shawl you didn't have the intention the intention was conditional it happened because of the circumstances you go and I know you played with it, maybe some of you, this week because I, I brought this forward as a, an area of uh, investigation. But I like to do this when I got really quiet. I would actually go to the, um, the dining hall. I would sit and I would put broccoli on fork and then I would just stay like this. And if the conditions were right... Either hunger or boredom or something would be there, suddenly the hand would want to move. You know? If there is the conditions are right, hunger is present, there is fork and there is broccoli, the chances that the intention to raise the the the, the hand towards the mouth is very likely to happen. Yeah? So we start to see how impersonal it is. Yeah? And so watch this. You know what 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 makes you stand up, what makes you look in a certain direction with your attention what may you know and you 'll see that a sound happen, and suddenly the attention goes there, you know it, even if it feels intentional there's something impersonal about this yeah so this area is so rich, I remember on the Either teen retreat or young adult retreat. One young person said, "Pascal, sometimes I'm I'm just uh, whatever the language they use. I'm am cool. I'm fun. I'm generous. You know. Other times I'm so mean and tight. You know. Which one am I?" And I said, "Oh well, in Buddhism, it doesn't apply. You don't. That's not how you think about this. What you think of is." You want to become aware of, in a way, what is driving the show. Because the intention is, is going to be colored by something. It's, other, it's what you say or do is going to be colored, influenced, motivated by resentment, by generosity, by curiosity. There's something that is going to make you do and say what, you, what you, you're going to do and say. So w- when we become more and more attentive, we actually want to become aware of the state of the mind and to see what will make me go back to my room. What is, the, you know, and what we start to discern is what is actually, what are the mind states that are entangling Troublemaking for me and others, and what mind states are actually uh, liberating, uh, beneficial for me and others. We talk a lot here about compassion, kindness, you know, and what we want to do as we sit here is to see for ourselves how these energies or qualities of mind are are helpful, make me attend in a certain way, and. How self hatred or self judgment make me attend in a different way, create devastation and war inside, or tends towards peace. Yeah? So we become aware of intentions. And the last one is consciousness this is the knowing faculty. And, um, very quickly, maybe I'll say, um, when there is an experience, like feeling right now, uh, your sitting posture, maybe the lower part of your body. Yeah. As you're sensing this, there, is, there are probably sensations there. There might be numbness, but there's probably for most of us sensation and even numbness is actually something that you can that can be known if you notice sensations of heat or hardness right now they could be at this point in the (laughs) in the talk hardness on the lower part of the body if you notice this you can put your attention on the sensations of tingling or pressing or something like this but it's also possible if the mind uh, is mm, settled to actually discover an, another aspect of the experience, which is just the knowing. Not the tingling itself, but the capacity to know it. This is much more transparent in a way. The tingling tingles. The knowing only knows. So it knows it takes, in a way, the form of what it knows. You know, It reveals, it's a little bit like a mirror. It, does, it just reflects back the uh, image. I don't know if it's a perfect image, but uh, sometimes it's also the image that is used Is the space of knowing. So there's the tingling, the knowing quality. That's something we can uh, can, uh, get to know. This is another hiding place of self. Oh, but I am the observer. You know? And the Buddha questioned this. He said, well, between... All these eyes there, and these ones here, there's a knowing. Is that so personal? Is that something that you can really own, this knowing? That's a good area of investigation, attention, just to discover, is that so personal or is just another aspect of experience? In the same way that I don't uh, own sounds, Maybe the knowing quality is also something that is there and is not ownable, if I can say that. Yeah. A way to deconstruct this is to talk about six kinds of consciousness, the consciousness that arise with the sound or arise with the sensations. Can you know the sensations uh, or? that's the typical example. Can you know the ringing of the bell before or after the ringing of the bell? Can you know it, experience it, before? uh, (laughs) Don't tell the answer, (laughs) Leela! the knowing of bell of sound arises with the sound yeah so same thing with the uh, knowing of sensations in the feet when it's not there there's not this knowing is not there and so it arises with it and passes with it so in a way it's impermanent that's one way to present uh, the consciousness the image that is used for this one is the magic show as it creates all this moment of hearing, knowing a thought, knowing a sensation in the body, all this, this ma- it goes so quickly and it creates this magic show of I. I am thinking about this. I am intending to stand up. I hear the bell. All this, mm-hmm. it's the illusion of I. We can see that there's a lot of calming and pacifying of the mind and a lot of attention that will be needed to actually clarify this for ourselves. It's not, uh, it's not, uh, it's a subtle point. So, uh, maybe I'll go just back a second. The perception, if you remember, the recognition, the Buddha compared this to a mirage. It appears like a kangaroo. Then it's revealed that uh, it's a deer. I appear separate from it, but maybe I'm not so separate from that encounter you know and uh, for the mental formations the Buddha uses the image of a plantain tree because he says in the plantain tree there's no hardwood there's nothing solid and consistent in it and in the mental formations I'm here thinking about my life and how I want to do this when I go back and and suddenly you know there's pain in my knee and I go there I'm like oh my knee I don't know what's gonna happen my knee my dream of after the retreat was like a a, was really like a banana tree or a plantain tree it came up had huge plantain of banana It did its thing and then (laughs) it just fell flat on the ground and was composted and became something else and then another the banana tree of my (laughs) knee appears you know and so I'm caught in my my knee that's another banana production, you could say. You know, and you see this fall and be recomposted. It disappears and something else happened. And you know, and you can see this in experience. I love these images because I think they're very, very good. I can see this, wow, there was a big banana production, you know, and now it released it and it fell on the ground and that's finished. You know, there was nothing solid to this, it was passing. Oh, la, 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 la. So, how to finish this? So anyway, if you want to play with this, you can uh, just uh, look at your experience as you're going about. I spent so much time behind the um, Qigong Hall up there, this is the walking path, the walking terrace outside, just walking back and forth. I spent a whole m- month one time, because that was my practice, the five aggregate, just to walk and feel the sensations, this is form, you know? Feel the feeling tone, if I could recognize it. Spend a few seconds just knowing that it's amazing how the mind knows that it's walking, knows that it's stepping, knows, it recognizes the, it's not just sensations, it knows what what is happening, it organizes the world, yeah? And there was the intention to walk, I could see this, or the intention to look, who's coming, you know? That arose because of movement of human being. You know, suddenly there was a who's that? You know, let me check if they're doing their, if they're mindful, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. I could see this the form mental formation around that, and it's you know, and just see the awareness, the consciousness rather that was at play, that was knowing the perception, knowing the different things. So these five rivers constantly going on, and see are they self or not? You know, how do they appear to be? Okay. Stop, Pascal. Somebody ring, ring me. <laughs> so I stopped. <laughs> okay, good friends. Thank you so much for your, um, for your attention. I'd like to finish on something deep. Okay. <laughs> for there is suffering, but none who suffers. Doing exists, although there is no doer. Extinction is but no extinguished person. Although there is a path, there is no gore.